0: You guys ready for our series that we're continuing on in? I got Ernest ready, and Ernest already heard the message once this morning, so that's a good, uh, that's a good, uh, I think good for us this 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 morning because Ernest already heard it once and he's ready again. Um, we're in we're in Luke chapter four. Uh, we're going to be in verse thirty one where we're starting, and we're in our Trailblazer series. We're into their seventh, our seventh section here of our series, and. Um, Church, I think a, a little bit about me. One of my strengths is I think I, I, I'm i good at helping to elevate others to reach their potential. You know, I always view myself through the lens of sports, and, that, and that's how I played sports. And and uh, uh, growing up, I would love to see my teammates and uh, teammates excel. I knew some of my teammates were very talented, and I would do my best to help them be the best they can be, ultimately so that our team would be the best they can be And in grade 12. Um, I actually played high school soccer. Not many of you know that. Throughout uh, all my high school years, I, I played a lot of soccer. It wasn't my passion or anything like that. They just needed bodies, and and I was able to play there. And and uh, I played high school soccer. And and our our best player, you know, he wasn't the most athletic kid. He wasn't the most like big kid because he was only in grade nine, and I was in grade twelve at the time. And I knew this kid in grade nine was by far our best player. He had the most skills. And, and, and typically when you're younger and you're, you're playing on a senior team, like usually the senior guys, they're going to give you a hard time. They're going to make it difficult for you. But this kid was just clear-cut better than, than anyone I've ever played with. And uh, I, I knew in my, in my heart that if we actually made him the focal point of our, our team, made him our, our go-to guy, we would do really well, and, and that's what happened. I, I think I did a good job at setting the tone is that as a grade 12 leader. Um, we made this grade 9 our focal point, and we did really well. We won our high school championship. We went to provincials, did really well for our small school, and uh, it was really cool to see his career go on. Grade 10, this kid went to the States and played soccer, and he went on actually to play at the MLS level. He played there for about five or six years before he got injured, so he was, he was really, really good. You know, I, I think it comes naturally to me in, in, in a lot of things that I do to take a supportive role and, and be really good at that supportive role. And I, I remember a moment in basketball when I was coaching, uh, when I was being coached, and and usually my coach never. Uh, had anything bad to say to me he usually you know I was a I was an extension of the coach on the court that's the the job of the point guard and and but this time my coach pulled me off and he was just screaming in my face and like he was like was flying everywhere and he was just laying into me and I was like I was shook a little bit because I never really had that happen usually it's my friends who are goofing off or or doing something wrong where my coach is laying into them but he was just laying into me and basically, he, he, he said, stop being so passive. It's time for you to be a little bit more selfish. Got to go score the basket. We need some buckets. And uh, he, he challenged me to take a lead in that role. And it was, it was just such a, a pivotal moment for me in my, in my learning journey uh, of basketball. And I, I never really been ripped into that like that before. But he had to make it clear to me that this is the role I needed to take. Church, I bring all this up. Because I think as Christ followers, you know, many of us find it easy taking on supporting roles. You know, it's easy to give everything you got, and, and, and maybe it's easier to do it from behind the scenes, and, and, and you like to take that supportive kind of role, and, and maybe that's exactly what God wants you to do. But I do know this: at some point, in some way, does I, I'm not sure how how big of a role it will be, or or how uh, or, or or if maybe you're just a minister to one person. There's going to be a point where God asks you to take a lead role. Maybe it's maybe it's just pouring into this one person where he we challenges you to, to be their friend and show them the love of Christ. Maybe he's going to challenge you to, to lead a life group or lead an alpha one day. Or, or maybe he's going to challenge you to leave a, a, lead a church in the city campus one day. Imagine that. I say that with all that to be said is that basically I don't want us to put limits on, on how God wants to use us. I want us to, I want us to be challenged to, to be willing to follow however, however and, and whatever God wants to use us in. You know, I think there's some people in the room right now that need to hear that. Don't limit how God wants to use you. And be fully willing to, to, to allow God to use you in whatever way. Amen? You guys with me? If you're able, why don't you stand with me? We're going to read God's word together in Luke 4, starting in verse 31. It says, it should be on the screen there if you don't have your Bibles. It says this, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Verse 33 says, In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Verse 35 says, Jesus says, Be quiet. And he said it sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And last verse 37, and the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Amen. You may be seated. You know, maybe you hear this passage, maybe you're not a Christ follower, maybe you're new to the faith, or, or maybe you've been a, a Christian for a long time. And maybe this passage just sounds so weird and bizarre, you know. Maybe, maybe uh, I, I know church globally, um, many Christians would even chalk this up as, as maybe first century nonsense or, or mythology. But church, I remind you this, that what you've heard comes to us from God. This is his word, his living word, his sober truth. And let us receive it that way. You know, last week we learned about Jesus sharing the message to the Nazarenes and his hometown people and the, the people that saw him grow up right in front of their eyes. And, 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 and the, the claim uh, that he was the Messiah was just completely rejected by his hometown people. All they did is refer to him as the son of Joseph. Even a few weeks back, we went through the genealogy in, in, Luke, uh, in Luke 2, I believe, and, and it, it talked about as actually the adopted son of Joseph. That's what they saw Jesus as. And they were so outraged by this claim that Jesus is the Messiah. They, were, they, they wanted to basically kill Jesus. They took him to a cliff to go and throw him off a cliff. And there's something <clears throat> about Jesus that, that he was able to escape them. There was something, maybe there's this fierceness to him. Um, or maybe they felt a, that, that deep down that they actually felt the presence of God near him, but they didn't show it outwardly. Whatever it was, Jesus just, uh, when they were trying to throw him off a cliff, Jesus just walked through that crowd. And no one dared to lay a hand on him. You know, our series uh, in the scripture—it's it's the writings of Luke, and 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 the writings of Luke. There's actually two volumes in one book: the Book of Luke and the and the Book of Acts. That's the, Luke is the author of both of those. He comes with a very unique perspective because he's the only New Testament writer who is a theologian and historian—the only New Testament writer that is both. All other New Testament writers are just. Historians, so Luke comes with this very unique theological perspective in his writing. We've uh, over the last few weeks we've learned a German word that best describes Luke's writing because there isn't an English word that that sums it up in this one word. This German word is called Heilsgeschichte. It's German for salvation history. Reading the story of Scripture as God's saving work in history. And if you're wondering what a trailblazer is, a trailblazer is a pioneer, somebody who's willing to take risks and go the path that isn't already there. You know, Jesus trailblazed the way for us to lead a life of how we are supposed to live. And through all this, the theme of Luke's writing that we're going to see and we're going to keep bringing up and we're going to keep going to is for both books, both Luke and Acts, is all about the activity of the Holy Spirit. Before we go anywhere else, let's just pause and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your living word. I pray that you speak to us today. Turn my voice down. Turn your voice up. Let us hear from you. In your name I pray. Amen. So as we read our passage, it starts out with Jesus going to Capernaum. And he went there to teach the people. And, 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 and basically the way they lived in, in, in that city, it's a lot different than the way we live. So every family would have lived in a place about 200 square feet. And I, I tried to imagine my family growing up, my family of five growing up, trying to live in a 200 square feet room. And I just imagined my sister probably killing all of us because, you know, I know it's first world problems, but I just don't think the chandler family could have done it. You know, I, I, as, our, as we... Uh, uh, it's just a lot different nowadays uh, and or at least here compared to there the custom for the visiting rabbis in in cities was to read the scroll of the day and then to preach a message on the on the on the reading and that's what Jesus was doing and and uh, as we see in scripture the people were just completely amazed by Jesus's teachings and what struck me about uh, this uh, part of the scripture is that, uh, yes, they were amazed and astonished by his teaching. It's because of the authority of which he spoke. Church, can you say authority? authority? You know, we've seen it before and we'll see it again. Jesus had just something about him. The manner in which he spoke that the scriptures describe, the, the Greek word is actually exousia. It means power or authority. or it can actually be combined together, the, the, the powerful authority. So that when Jesus spoke... The people marveled. They, they, they marveled at his truth, at the depth and seriousness of his words. Have you ever known someone in your own life where maybe they're really a quiet person, but when they speak, all eyes and ears are tuned in? You know, I, I played basketball with this really talented guy, and this, the coaches would always tell him to be more of a vocal leader. It was just so unnatural to him. He was a very quiet guy, and, and, and he led by example. He did grow in that role, and, and, and honestly, whenever he did decide to speak and encourage us, it was like well, the whole team was like just so tuned into him and were so energized when he spoke. You know, I kind of imagine that's how our championship run with Kawhi Leonard did, uh, was with, uh, with the Raptors there. I think that's how Kawhi Leonard probably leads. I don't know that for a fact, but I'll I'll bet on that, all right? Caleb, are you with me on that? All right, okay. Um, So church, when Jesus was speaking, they didn't even realize. They were actually listening to sermons presented by the one who was the very incarnation of truth. So when Jesus spoke, everyone in the room would have felt this thunderous weight of the message that he would give. So our next portion of the passage is uh, that's where things seem to get quote-unquote bizarre, right? Jesus, during his message, he gets rudely interrupted. He gets rudely interrupted by a cry of a demon. And if you dive into the biblical language, this one theologian puts it this way. The opening statement of the demon would have been something like, Ha! What is this? That first word of ha. It was a brief word of mockery and sneering at the teaching of Jesus. So let's pause for a moment here. As I mentioned earlier, this is the part of the passage where, you know, most probably non-Christians would find this very weird and bizarre, of course. Even some Christians, like I said, would have chalked it up to mythology, maybe first century confusion. Well, I won't get into a big debate with anyone who has that kind of conversation right now, but I will redirect you to what we're going to be doing in the evenings here at, at uh, Church in the Canary, actually at 80 Cooperage. I'm telling you, Alpha is a really great um, place where it answers these life's big questions. And, and one of the questions that I've been asking over the last couple of weeks, these polarizing questions, the greatest evaluation that you could ever make is answering the question of who is Jesus? Wherever you land on that, that spectrum, that is the greatest evaluation you'll ever make in your life of who is Jesus. And that's what Alpha does. It, is, it, it, it portrays and, and shares all these answers and, and, and gives us chances to have a conversation about them in a very clear and concise way. So that's my plug for Alpha tonight. I encourage you to come by. If you can't make it tonight, you can come next week. If you want to even check your video, these videos out on their own, because it's just basically that's what it was, that's what they are, I can even arrange you watching them on your own all for free. And uh, I can make that happen as you want to do your findings and studies. It, for me, it goes without question. Um, this is probably one of the questions they'll ask tonight in Alpha is about the authenticity uh, of, of the Bible. And, and, and there's just so much tangible evidence for the Bible of uh, you can compare it to any historical book in the world today and, and it would be it's still way more recognized of its authenticity. And uh, you'll see some of those statistics later tonight if you want to check that out at Alpha. Throughout all of this, church, I'm always reminded of Ephesians 6, verse 12, that we are not in a battle against people, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What we see in Scripture you know, we, we, we actually see the majority of Jesus' miracles, they're actually performed in the Old Testament by guys like Elijah, Elisha, Moses. Um, something unique and new about the supernatural ministry of Jesus was the casting out of demons. The New Testament writers make it clear that Jesus' power over the demonic world is significant. It's actually a sign of his own supernatural origin and authority that even the devils of this world tremble at his presence. So what we see in Scripture with the encounters between Jesus and and, 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 the, and the demonic presences, they all follow a similar pattern. There's always a protest where the demon would complain saying something like, Jesus, what are you doing? Or leave us alone. Don't torment us. What do we have to do with you? You have come to destroy us. Because the demon Demons know that their days are numbered. You know, I'm reminded of uh, uh, of the book of James where it tells us that you say you believe in God and that's a big deal, but even the demons believe and tremble. Church, the demons' understanding of Jesus was actually perfect. Their problem wasn't about knowing the truth. Their problem was that they hated the truth. With every fiber in their being, They hated Jesus. There's no one that hated Jesus more than these demonic beings. And when Jesus appeared, they trembled and feared. They protested. They resisted. And nothing quenched their fierce hatred for Jesus. And what we see in our passage, we see the demons say this. If you want to go back to that last slide uh, uh, there, Caleb, of the scripture. Yeah, excellent. It says, the demon says, I know who you are, the Holy One. Of God church in the city you can think about that for a moment can you even say that yourselves I know who you are the holy one of God now take this in the demons they knew who Jesus was they knew that the truth what the truth was and if you remember from our passage yes last Sunday the Nazarenes you know the Nazarenes who saw Jesus grow up before their very eyes they, 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 they couldn't even acknowledge that Jesus is God, the Messiah. And they didn't know the truth. But yet even the demons know who the Holy One of God is. And what I, I think is really cool, after that rude interruption in our scripture here, it says yeah, Jesus, basically with all authority and power, he silences the demon. He, t- he basically tells the demon to shut your mouth. You know, the translation we have says, be quiet. Um, This one theologian shares that isn't stern enough. It would be more like saying, shut up and come out of him. The demon threw the man down and and came out of him without hurting him. And, and, And everyone was absolutely amazed by the exousia, the powerful authority that Jesus commands. And then the good news of Jesus spread around the surrounding area. So church in the city, are we geared up for battle? You know, that, that this very same Holy Spirit that, that empowered the prophets of the Old Testament, that empowered Jesus Christ our Lord, right here on the earth, the same power of the Holy Spirit dwells within us. The authority and power of the Holy Spirit is with us. And we are actually called by God to uh, to, to operate in this way, to obediently follow the promptings of the spirit to pray for the sick and expect healing to pray for the the broken and see restoration to not be afraid and actually be able to command that demon to be quiet to tell him to shut your mouth and leave that person we have the power and authority of god with us and, and, and church in the city, we will see the good news of Jesus spread around the St. Lawrence, Canary, and surrounding high-rise communities when we start operating this way. Church, we are in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's, a ba- it's not a battle against people. It's not a battle with our own sinful tendencies. We're actually in a war that's, that's actually like cosmic in scope. You know, Paul said, do you realize as a Christian you are engaged in a battle against powers, principalities, cosmic powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places? We are fighting the battle against supernatural forces. We are fighting the battle with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And we we're, are and we're armed with the armor of God. So church, if, if you're looking at, at different organizations, if you're looking at the government, to any kind of people to solve the wickedness of our world, the evils of our world, to solve the hatred and crime that happens in this neighborhood, to solve racism or to solve equality or to solve world hunger or, or, or extreme poverty, to solve abuse, to solve mental health issues. If you're looking at, 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 uh, for, for people to, to be able to solve that, I really I really think you're chasing a pipe dream. Once you really understand that these are spiritual battles, that these are supernatural battles that we need the Holy Spirit to come through. I'm telling you, if you're waiting on the government to solve racial tensions or or gun violence crimes, I said it this morning, it's like like trying to hammer a nail with a banana. It's not going to work. What we need to do is we need to call on God. We need to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit to stand up against these rulers, against these authorities, against these powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. Church as a worship team's coming up. Maybe this morning, maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you need a financial breakthrough. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need some hope this morning. Maybe you're here this very morning, maybe you're tuning in online, and, 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 and it's your time to stop running from God. Church, this morning, as, as Ernest leads us and, and kind of leads us and takes over for the next little bit, I want this place to be a place where you can bring your burdens to God, where you can bring your challenges and lay them at the feet of Jesus. You want to see a movement of God. You want to see the miraculous. I'm, I'm challenging you. Bring it before God this morning. I'm challenging you to take a step of faith this morning. Whether where, However you want to worship, however you want to bring it to God. Maybe you want to stay in your seats. Maybe you want to come to the front here and, 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 and kneel and, and pray to God that way. This place is open. We're going to leave space for the Holy Spirit to move. Maybe you're burdened for that family member or friend that you just never thought would ever be able to find that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you want to bring that to to Christ this morning. Maybe you've been given a medical situation that seems dire. Seems like there's no hope ahead of you. I challenge you to bring it to Jesus this morning. We're walking in faith. Church, if you're able, let's just take some time and press in right now. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to just take over and, and, and take that burden, break that chain that's been weighing you down. Lord, Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit anointing fall upon us this morning. Fall afresh upon us, God. Convict us, God. Heal us, O Lord. Break any chain that's binding us down right now in Jesus' mighty name. We're going to turn this place into just a, we're going to take some moments to just spend some time with Jesus. I challenge you, church, whatever it is, whatever challenge, whatever, you know what you're facing. Take a step of faith, bring it to Christ this morning. Give it over to him.